Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast episode number 164, a bonus episode. I am so glad that you could make it here for this very special episode. We are broadcasting live on a Wednesday afternoon, and today we have a fantastic educator and recent ISTE author sharing her love for movie making in the classroom. That's right. Today we have Jessica Pack on the show talking about her new book from ISTE Publications called Movie Making in the Classroom, Lifting Student Voices Through Digital Storytelling. I am so excited to have her on the show today. This is certainly something that is near and dear to my heart. Many of you guys remember a couple of years ago, I was a media teacher, a broadcasting teacher, getting into there, using iMovie, using iPads, having fun with all that stuff, starting into live streaming. We hit all of those things in this interview. I hope you have a chance to enjoy the entire thing. And don't forget to check out the book. We're going to be having all the links in our show notes over on teachercast.net. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 164. I hope you guys are having a great end of October. I know I spent my week uh, teaching social media to all of our administrators uh, that's right. We got all of our administrators in our in a big room this week, and uh, we are launching a brand new social media platform. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Have you guys been in charge of doing anything social media in, as an instructional coach or as a building level, district level? We'd love to hear from you guys. We got a great thread going on over on our TeacherCast Tech Coaches Network. Check it out today. All the links are going to be over there on askthetechcoach.com. You can, of course, sign up for that and check it out. Be a part of our TeacherCast Tech Coaches Network. Over 350 instructional coaches now all coming together to celebrate instructional coaching, digital learning, and all things that we can do to help out each other. So check out all the links. Join our free membership site. I hope you guys do. My guest today is Jessica Pack, a California Teacher of the Year in 2014 and Q Outstanding Educator who's recently been teaching middle school for the last 17 years using digital storytelling as an instructional strategy. I want to bring on to the show, Miss Jessica Pack. Jessica, how are you today? Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be able to share with your listeners today. I am so excited to have you on. First of all, before we get started, congratulations on the book. It is fantastic. Tell us a little bit about it and tell us a little bit more about yourself. Oh, thanks. Well, you know, it was really important to me to share my passion for digital storytelling and the transformative effect it's had on my classroom and all of my kiddos. I've been really fortunate to teach middle school for 17 years. And, you know, middle schoolers are a, a strange breed of, of animal. Um, they're super, super fun to work with, but, you know, definitely they're seeking constantly ways to, to put their voice and their ideas out there into the world. And I think as educators, it's really our responsibility to help them learn how to do that effectively and how to share the stories that are close to their hearts and in their minds um, to be able to share that broadly. So I see that as a, a call to action for all teachers. 
I agree. T- tell us a little bit about where this came from, this whole concept of storytelling. It's easy, I think, to write a book about applications. This could easily have been a Final Cut or a Wii video or some kind of handbook on, but your background of is storytelling, is helping students tell their voices. We're going to deep dive into all this stuff today, but why is it important for teachers to help students create their own voices? Well, I think it's important to always start with the why. I'm so glad that you're bringing that up because, um, you know, storytelling does some really fascinating things for the human brain. And just as in terms of connecting person to person, storytelling is a super powerful way to uh, forge relationships, maintain relationships, experience empathy, um, just on a, like a brain science chemical level, there's so much happening whenever we interact in a storified environment. Um, our brains produce cortisol, dopamine, oxytocin, and all of those chemicals contribute to what we like to call sticky learning. And so if we're able to learn a concept through story or relate a concept through story, um, the learning that we are engaging in is so much more powerful. And it has that ability to really stick with us and, and carry over and transfer into other content areas, into other areas of our lives and communication. So for me, you know, storytelling is really program agnostic. There's so many ways to tell stories. There's so much software that you could use, but really at its heart, we need to understand how to craft compelling stories that can really capture attention and and carry our ideas out into the world. You know, you and I have a lot in common middle school. I, I, I was telling you before we got started, I, I, I taught broadcasting for a year, trying to get uh, students to kind of share their own stories. I kind of combined social and emotional learning with that whole tell me about yourself. We made resumes. We, we did we video stuff. What is it like to be a middle school teacher? I know you've been in the classroom now for a few months already. Um, what is that journey like trying to meet new faces, put them in a room and then saying, okay, open up your lives to me. I see the smile already. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think especially just in the broader context of pandemic teaching and, and moving hopefully towards what will become post-pandemic education, our kids have been through a lot and they crave an outlet to be able to forge understanding with other people um, and just with each other as well. So my particular district, we were at a distance learning and a tiny bit of hybrid schedule for more than a year and a half. So kids coming into my classroom this year, we've really been focusing on building those relationships and all of those social emotional components that you mentioned. Um, And for us, you know, storytelling is sort of a legacy effect because kids have been telling stories and publishing them to our classroom YouTube channel in my classroom for more than a decade. So a lot of the kids that walk into my classroom doors on that first day, they've already watched the YouTube channel. They are already wondering, when do we tell our first story? My cousin was in here. My uncle was in here. You had my Tia years ago. Like, are we, are we doing this or what, what are we going to be sharing about. And so just, you know, getting into that storytelling mindset from week one, where we're starting our first story together, um, that's huge. It's, it's woven into the fabric of, of who we are and what we do in my classroom. 
I want to make sure that everybody has access to this. The book, again, is called Movie Making in the Classroom, Lifting Student Voices Through Digital Storytelling. But the one thing I've noticed when flipping through the pages here, it's not necessarily you lifting student voices. You've got a lot of additional content here. You're actually lifting other educators' voices. Talk to us a little bit about how you put the book together. I see that there's little sections from uh, colleagues, friends of yours, and it's also so jam-packed with QR codes to videos and, and, and extra stuff in here. What can we expect when we take, our look at, take a look at the book? Well, I organized the book into three parts because what I really found as I was looking uh, to begin my journey as a storytelling teacher is that a lot of the resources out there were geared toward uh, media center teachers or library media specialists. And, and those books that did exist sort of treated movie making as like a potential pit stop on the road of technological possibilities. So I really wanted to hone in and focus what is it that um, digital storytelling looks like from a really intentional um, implementation in the classroom. So in that first section of the book, I talk about why storytelling matters, all that good brain science stuff is there, all kinds of research um, and really linking storytelling to the learning process. That second section is about, um, you know, the process of storytelling. And that's really where I leaned on a lot of my colleagues because it was important for me that the book could be useful for everyone from an elementary to a high school teacher um, and all all the content areas therein, especially those core content areas. So I really reached out to teachers that I know are doing incredible things, um, making movies with students across a variety of skill levels. Um, and I wanted to make sure that we represented areas like, you know, advanced sciences and mathematics and special education classrooms, classrooms that might not typically always get that spotlight on them. I really wanted to highlight so that people could really see and understand that movie making is a medium that works for core content instruction in every area of our educational context. I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the other shows that we do here on the network is called Ask the Tech Coach, where we basically bring a whole bunch of instructional coaches together to talk about different things to do and how we can support teachers. This is one of those books that, yes, I truly believe you can run cover to cover. It's uh, 140 pages or so, but really it's one of those that you'd want to keep on your desk. And it's if you're looking to work with a teacher on any of these given topics, um, it's certainly one of those books that you want to keep at your fingertips. It does go through um, and and share some examples here. You've got something called the I Am Poem, um, something that I remember doing similar with my broadcasting kids. But you've also got the ISTE standards here. Talk to us a little bit about the I Am Poem. What is it? Why is it important? And why is it a good way to kind of get your feet wet with the projects? Well, the third section of my book is really lesson frames that you can use. And the I Am Poem is my favorite lesson frame to rinse and repeat as content changes. Um, that's a, a the notion of lesson frames and rinsing and repeating is something that I really just glommed onto from that edgy protocols movement with John Caropo and Marlena. You know, it's so powerful, this idea that we're able to do these really incredible creative tasks with kids and have sort of a, a low prep for our ourselves as teachers. So the I am poem, you know, that's something that we have all used before, I'm sure with our students in that first week of school where we've, you know, said write about yourself, but we're just pushing that to the next level where we're taking um, content 
and storifying it. So that's sort of the vehicle for the story. Um, so maybe instead of writing about myself, I'm learning about keystone species in advanced placement biology. And my job is to be able to process all of that information about the ecosystem and where that species fits into to the web of what's going on in biology. <laughs> so I can demonstrate my understanding by maybe making the keystone species the character. And as the story plays out, or as I start writing out my understanding of the story, um, that becomes the script for the movie project. One of the other projects that you have in here is called the 15 second story. Um, I, I love doing these short things. It keeps kids thinking. I actually find sometimes it's harder to do things shorter, but talk to us a little bit about the 15 second story. Uh, the 15 second story is a lesson frame that was actually born out of the concept of, of time and brevity and learning the concept of economy of detail. Um, that's super huge. I remember when I first started making movies with kids, gosh, it, it seemed like every single movie we made was five or six, sometimes seven minutes long. And, you know, we were just so proud of it because we had made a movie. Um, but really anything worth communicating can be done in a very efficient, effective manner. And I think that that old school Vine videos are a good jumping off point to kind of like think about how Vine brought us six second storytelling. And then we have TikTok videos today that are super, you know, short and very compelling to watch because they have that current of emotion, which is oftentimes humorous. So teaching kids to, to establish an emotional current in 15 seconds and communicate key information about whatever content they're learning. I mean, that's a huge skill set. And if we're talking about synthesis, which is something that we're all asking our kids to do in class, um, that's a really, really great way for them to be creative and very rigorous. I was teaching broadcasting in the, the 1920 school year. We started off doing three quarters of the year physical. And then, of course, we went virtual. And I remember being virtual. And I actually remember feeling a, a lot more free when my kids weren't in the class, I think it's because when we were in the class, they weren't allowed to have their devices. They weren't allowed to have their phones. They they had Chromebooks, but we really couldn't do what was needed for a media class at the time. But when we went virtual, now I could say to the kids, all right, go away, go get your iPads, go get your phones, go take, you know, go make cooking videos, go do whatever you want. So many teachers even now are in that position where they've got kids in front of them, they've got kids away from them, they're trying to figure things out. Talk to us a little bit about doing storytelling, these online learning things in a, you know, post-current pandemic teaching learning environment. How does all this work? What can we be thinking about if our kids aren't quite in arm's reach? Well, you know, I did have that experience the last year and a half, wanting to continue to use digital storytelling as a pillar of instruction, but not having ever met any of my kids face to face. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> I can relate to teachers who are working in those remote environments. And um, I would say that probably the most important thing to remember is to utilize the face-to-face -face time versus the asynchronous time really strategically. So having those mini lessons to help kids understand film angles and, and what makes a good story, all of that translates really well into that asynchronous space, as does filming. But then when you're starting to talk about how to edit and how to get feedback from peers and to, you know, 
play out your story for others so that you can make sure that it has a certain amount of emotional resonance. All of that is really valuable interaction in the face-to-face component that you might have, as in like the Zoom component. I found that when my kids went virtual, it took them a while to to warm up to the, oh, there's still homework. I still have to do things. Um, I found I was, you know, when the kids were in school with me, I was mostly teaching editing and they had to go do. But when the roles were reversed and they were home, I wasn't teaching editing because that's hard to do with 30 some kids all in, you, know, you, you can't just pull up 30 wee video screens, but it was easier because we were actually doing basically every class was a film class and we could actually, you know, bring in their project, look at it. They then took it back. They fixed it. It really was more film festival every single day. And I just remember the kids had so much fun uh, or I hope they did. And we were able to actually get a lot more done because it wasn't, you know, come in and did you do it? Nope. Okay. The question I get a lot from teachers and and even more principals are reaching out these days. What do I need to start? You know, I get asked a lot, you know, how much money do I need to create a podcasting studio, broadcasting room, film classroom? When people come to you and say, look, I've got an unlimited budget. I want to have some kind of a media thing. What do you tell them? Where do you go? Where do you start with these kinds of questions? So I guess uh, the place that I like to start is that you don't actually need anything. <laughs> you don't need lots of dogs and whistles. whistles. You know, I've taught in context with everything from boom mics and reflectors to, and, you know, fancy the editing equipment to just, you know, a, a kid in their Chromebook. I think if there's one piece of equipment that I advocate for, it's going to the 99 cent store and getting a pair of earbuds with a little microphone so that you have slightly better audio quality than the built-in uh, microphone. But I, I think that, you know, that's one of the things that sometimes keeps teachers from trying movie making is they have this idea that they need all kinds of fancy things when, you know, I'm coming from like a core content instruction perspective. I'm not going to be taking, you know, time to teach those kiddos how to run a film crew and do three point lighting and, you know, all the fancy stuff necessarily um, because my goal is content. And so if we can create and, Um, express content mastery, then really all we need is a device that has some sort of video editing program. So that's where I like to start in in terms of advocacy. I do have my favorite programs. I do have other pieces of equipment that I personally find useful. Most of them have to do with audio because I really find (laughs) that that is the nemesis of every teacher who is doing anything storytelling related. Well, let's, if it's possible, let's deep dive into that. Um, Audio applications of choice. Let's pretend that we're Microsoft, Google, like doesn't matter. Just top two or three audio applications. Um, Well, in terms of equipment, I think I prefer, you know, any type of gamer headset mic that brings it closer to the student's mouth. That's huge because I teach, um, a huge percentage of English language learners. And what I find is that as they're learning language, you know, there's a lot of anxiety that goes along with that. So often getting that sort of projection type voice is really tough for them. So anything that we can use to amplify that is huge. I also use some Rhodes mic with my kid, with my kiddos that, um, 
uh, host our school news show because I do have one period that is an ASB period. So it's our associated student body and we produce our school news show. So they have a little bit of um, audio equipment that they use to be able to capture that sound. But um, in terms of, of video editing, probably my favorite is still we video. Right. <laughs> you we, know, we, it just has that collaborative piece that was so key for us in a remote setting um, for kids to be able to edit synchronously and to share projects and look at each other's cuts. That was just huge. I couldn't I agree with you more. I, I always try to teach teachers like we video is the Google classroom for video editing. You set up a project, you pass it out. Everybody gets a copy. You can see it. I ran my entire broadcasting group. You know, we did live shows. We did, we did pre-recorded things. We were making it up as we went along, like every other teacher does, I'm sure, but it was all done through we video and it absolutely works. Um, perfect world, no budget. Somebody says, buy some machines. Do you go, iPads? Do you go Chromebooks? Do you go Windows? Do you go MacBooks? What's your what's your poison of choice here when it comes to actually buying hardware for a, a video broadcasting type suit, set up a room? Well, for my kiddos, um, I teach middle school, so iPads have been really great for us. Um, we funded a few through Donors Choose, and my news kids tend to, to gravitate toward those just because it's all right there. You don't have to go through, um, you know, uploading all of your video clips into drive and pulling them down into another um, editing system. So that's been really sort of their preference. And that's kind of the direction I like to lean is what works for them. Um, a lot of them prefer to use their cell phones, quite honestly. So, <laughs> I mean, so how does that work for you? Are they recording on the Wii video app? Are they editing on the Wii video app? What's the transfer? They use a combination of their cell phones plus our classroom iPads plus whatever else they can beg, borrow, and steal to be able to, um, you know, go out and film their different stories. And then because we have a limited number of devices like that, they quickly upload into their Google Drive and then they pull it down into Wii video. And while some kids are editing, other kids are going out filming so hmm. you know i noticed my eighth graders gravitate toward their cell phones a lot and the sixth graders a lot of them don't have cell phones so they're the ones sharing the ipads in the room talk to the people out there in the audience who are in that coaching role you know i love this it I, it's it's my thing it's fun but getting a teacher to buy into these concepts getting a teacher to let go um even harder, getting a teacher to do it themselves and not rely on the coaches. What advice do you give for coaches who want to move in this direction, want to move up that, that, that uh, Sammer or that Tim's model or anything like that? How can we start encouraging teachers to do this one? Let's be honest, it's not easy to encourage teachers to do all these extra steps, learn extra applications. Talk to those coaches out there, Jess. I would say probably the most important thing to remember is that students already have a pretty good grasp of technology. So if there is a notion that you need to teach a ton of video editing software and a ton of video content just to get something usable, plus all of your other content, plus find a week or two for movie making, of course that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> so I, I just really encourage people to think of movie making as a capstone for what is already 
occurring in your instructional sequence. So the most efficient, effective thing to do is treat that movie as an artifact of student learning. So if you're already setting aside, say, two class periods or three class periods for some sort of culminating project, you can take that time and apply it to movie making instead with one of those lesson frames from the third section of my book or whatever other idea you have. Um, but you can definitely help students create really high quality pieces of work that are reflective of what they've learned. So for coaches, I would say it's really about intentional lesson design and helping teachers understand that as opposed to taking on some sort of big bear of a project that would overwhelm anybody. So really sell it to teachers that way. <laughs> the book is called Movie Making in the Classroom, Lifting Student Voices Through Digital Storytelling. You can, of course, find it over on ISTE publications. You can find it on Amazon, wherever you guys get your books. Just before I go, talk to us a little bit about the relationship that you have with ISTE. Talk to me a little bit about writing the book, putting it together, making that cover. What is that experience like? Oh, it's been a phenomenal experience and just a dream come true, really, to work with everybody over at ISTE Books. They've been so supportive. Um, everything from just sort of that conceptual stage where it's like, here's here's my dream project, here's what I'd like to accomplish, to you know, running through the finished manuscript. It's just been an incredible, very supported journey. So, um, you know, super shout out to Valerie, Stephanie, and everybody over at, at ISTE Books for sure. Over the last two months, we've had an opportunity to work with a lot of different ISTE authors. You can find them over at teachercast.net forward slash ISTE. We have all of our shows out there. I hope you guys have a chance to check that out. Jess, let me give you the last word here on the show. Anybody that's interested in taking on this concept of movie making video in their classroom, what would you say to them? I would just uh, encourage them to explore that power of storytelling because stories have the ability to be an equalizer and build equity. It has the ability to address social emotional needs in our kiddos. And, you know, especially as we're bringing kids back into that more traditional learning environment of, of in-person classes, it's more important than ever that we're presenting really engaging tasks that are rigorous and, and also give kids an opportunity for creativity. Um, there's such a perfect marriage of all of those instructional elements within movie making that I just really hope to connect and, and hear from some of your listeners that they're giving it a try. Hope you guys have a chance to check it out. She is the 2014 California Teacher of the Year, a Q Outstanding Educator and ISTE PLN Leader. Jess, where can we learn more information about you? Feel free to share your, your website, your social media handles. Sure, you can log on to jessicapack.com or you can follow uh, at packwoman208 on Twitter or Instagram. And we're going to have all the links on our TeacherCast podcast show notes. Don't forget to check it out over on TeacherCast.net today. And on behalf of ISTE and Jessica and everybody here on the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.